0: Live On November the 12th, 2015, Coolidge, Arizona, Coolidge Christian Church, we're in the book of Revelation, chapter 13 and verse 1. Tonight, <clears throat> we will be devoting uh, most, most of our time in defining symbols <clears throat> with some of the application but we'll pick up on the balance of that next week <clears throat> because we really have to know from this chapter on uh, what these words mean. And they're easy to define. So in verse 1 of chapter 13, and, and I'm going to read it, and we're going to come back and break it down, uh, the, the, first, the first verse. And, and, dragon, and the dragon stood on the sand of seashore, And then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and ten heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on
2: his heads were blasphemous names." In chapter 12 and verse 17,
0: the dragon was wroth with the woman.
2: In chapter 12, we discussed who the woman was. Who was it?
0: Okay, it's probably better to say Judea. Okay, does everybody get that now? That that, that was, and that would be in uh, chapter 12, but... Just so that we bring our and, and the dragon and the, the drag
2: the dragon had an axe to pick with whom. All right, with with the with
0: Judea the woman, and and that axe to grind went from the woman to whom. All right, the remnant of her seed, uh, which. Uh, the the ones, the remnant, and we hear about the remnant through the Old Testament, this is the remnant that is being talked about, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So there are some who are still affiliated with the law, the commandments, and there are those who are blending with that the new covenant of Christianity. And how long did that last, that transition period? Forty years. Forty years, you know, give or take a few years. And uh, approximately what dates? AD 33 to AD 40? Yep. That's good. Well, we can go home now. (laughs) (laughs) Now she knows more than I do. And and so... um, if in my interlinear, there's a little footnote, <clears throat> and it has it has verse 18
2: in chapter 12. Does your interlinear have that? Yeah, I, I so. And this one does too.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this one up here has a change of pronoun and i'm going to suggest that uh, this is more properly representing that when he when he says that he stood upon the sand of the sea and he was a ringside observer to what is about to happen who is that talking about the writer and in that case it's frank Isn't that John? No. All right. <clears throat> and oh, okay. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then I saw. So he stood the and the in verse 13. Now chapter 13 and verse one has the dragon stood on the sand of
2: the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. Who's the dragon? Oh. Uh, let's um,
0: let's uh, check into chapter twelve and verse nine, and I'm going to suggest it's the same. Anybody want to take a guess? And. Aren't there three names there in twelve nine? The serpent, devil, and Satan. That that's that's pretty close. The serpent and, and but it's defining who who is
2: Satan? The devil and who? The serpent. The
0: and that's defining who in that verse? The dragon. Okay, now we're getting down to my question.
2: So the question represents whom? In verse 9. And so the dragon
0: represents whom? Satan. Satan. Now, I think that's something we can latch on and become very uh, comfortable in our Strict view of that. The dragon represents
2: the devil or his power. And where is he? Well, where is he in our text? All right, in verse thirteen, verse one. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. And then I, who is referring to whom
0: now? John. John, what does he see? He's got a ringside view of what's going on. There's the devil, the dragon, he's on the sand of the seashore, and the beast, where he's coming from, and he's coming from the sea. Now what does the, so if we go and look at the, uh, and he saw a beast coming up out of the sea.
2: Who's the beast? You know, and and uh, don't hesitate to
0: think, um, you know, and think about it for a moment. But who could the beast be? Is it the Antichrist? N- no, well, kinda, but not specifically. So we have the beast, we have the dragon, where on the seashore, on the sand. He sees a and a beast, and John sees a beast coming up out of the sea. The beast is the
1: political power in Jerusalem at that at that time.
0: Okay, that's a that's a good answer. It's equally wrong, but it's all right. Really? No. <laughs> Just, <laughs> let, let's go. Let's go first of all to Daniel. Let's go back to Daniel for a minute. We
1: talked about that. I,
0: I I I well, know you're, that, that. you're right, but I, I don't want to get there yet. You're you're right. <clears throat> he's not used to hearing that. What?
1: He's I'm, right. He's I'm right. not used to Hearing
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's a family trait. <laughs> okay. Uh, that that's good. So, where are we in Daniel seven and verse eleven? Did I? I don't have that in the notes, do I? <clears throat> well, that's your fault.
2: Daniel seven eleven, And this is,
0: you know, this is just one verse, but then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking, and I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning fire and as for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away and an extension of life was granted to them for a, an appointed period of time. So what does it look like here? That the the
2: beast here are equal to in this verse. Let's um, let me see. I'm trying not
0: to answer questions. Uh, the the text. What text are we in? New American Standard. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Let's uh, let's take a look at the King James on that if you've got it handy. <clears throat> that doesn't help us much. So anyway, what does in Daniel here? What does the
2: beast? represent. Am I not mistaken in and the time that they
1: were prolonged or appointed period of time was that not the time that they spent the like place God prepared for
0: them? No. No, this is going all the way back to Daniel. Okay. This is so what were the what were the four beasts and I probably should have picked yeah, another verse there for you. Um <clears throat> but uh, who can give me the four let's the four um go go to back to daniel seven and let's look at verse um oh let me see um, I think we ought to look at um
2: Daniel seven seven we just now yeah, seven look at verse seven. Okay, now we have
0: I after this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and it had 10 horns. Now, <clears throat> what does the beast represent? I, I did I hear? Rome? Rome. It re, it represents kingdoms.
1: Yeah.
0: Represents kingdoms, and that's where you were going. Um I've not gone there quite the way I wanted to, but that that's okay.
1: Like other uh, ungodly kingdoms like Babylon, which was also talked about and, you know, and discussed. That's included
0: here. Yeah. Okay, let's go to chapter 8 of Daniel and verse 17. This gives everybody who may be listening today a chance to keep up with us in the verses by going a little slower.
2: So let's look at um, 8, 17 through 25. <clears throat> <clears throat>
0: So he came to where I was standing, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, "Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the to the time of the end, not to the end of time. That's not what it says. But to the time of what end? Okay, to the to the end of those. Uh, that's right. of the The end of Daniel's people
1: way to call that than just
0: the end just the end that's
1: all they
0: know that's all they know that's right so in verse 18 now while he was speaking with me I sank into a deep sleep with my face to the ground but he touched me and made me stand upright he said behold I am going to let you know what will occur at the final period of the indignation for it pertains to the appointed time of the end so all of the and you see the uh, the seventy weeks they all end with the end of Judaism, not the end of time. And then the the, the in verse twenty, the ram which you saw with the two horns represents the uh, basketball players of the um, Phoenix. Yeah, that's it. They represent the who? The kings of Media and Persia. Okay, now that was what in the order of Daniel 2 and the four kingdoms, which this is somewhat of a repeat of those four kingdoms. Well, who was the first kingdom? He said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the kingdom of gold, right? That's in Daniel 2. He said, you are that kingdom. So who was that
2: kingdom then in Daniel 2? The kingdom of Babylon. Didn't I just say that? <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I, I come back at you and I ask this question backwards just to see if you're listening. <clears throat> so we have... When, when Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, you are that king, and he's talking about the king of Babylon, who is he talking about? The king of Babylon, right? And he said, you're going to last for a while, but before before my time's up, I'm going to see a new king right. And it's going to be the, what king? What kings? That's right, Media and Persia. That's going to be the
2: next worldwide empire. And then Daniel goes on and says, just a minute, but that's not the end. There are four that
0: take us to the end. What's the third one? Greece, and in that we'll find Alexander the Great on down the line with the with the um, Grecian Empire. So that was a worldwide empire. What's the one empire left? Rome. What kingdom uh, was in power when Acts chapter 2? Rome. So we have Rome in the Imperial, 476, Imperial Rome fell. So all of what we're talking about now is what's going to take place prior to 476, which is the end of Imperial Rome. You know, I think maybe we better go back there for a minute. Let's go back to Daniel 2. Um <clears throat> Because chapter 7 adds some things to it, but we probably ought to have a fresh view of some things here. Uh, <clears throat> verse 31 of chapter 2. Uh let's go to 36. <clears throat> this was the dream. Now we will tell us interpretation before the king. Verse 36, Daniel chapter 2. You, O king, are the king of kings to whom the... who Who, who is the king? Here? It's Nebuchadnezzar, in case you don't uh, remember that. Uh, <clears throat> you, in verse 37, you are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven was given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. Sir, wh- where did his power and strength and glory come from in verse 37? The God of heaven has given the kingdom he has given this kingdom, the kingdom that belongs to Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men may dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them all. You, you, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar,
2: you are the head of, Of copper. Right? You are the head of gold. So whenever you talk about
0: a head of gold, unless there's some other reason, I don't know where that would be. Who are you talking about? Okay. And he's going to be defined later here as um, a beast. Um, a fourth kingdom so then then in verse thirty nine and after there after you there will arise after you there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, Nebuchadnezzar, there will be another king and it will be inferior to you. later on now we're going to be finding having added to this narrative, we were going to have added to it These four beasts, as having come out of the earth, and in just a minute, if you'll hang in with me, we'll show you that. After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, and then another third kingdom of bronze, and it will rule over all the earth. So he's talking about what kind of empires? Worldwide empire. So we have three. Three down. Then, now this is going to be described very differently. And it's going to be the Roman Empire. There will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So, like iron that
2: breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. Today? Not today. Not Rome. And we,
0: let me go on to one more then. Let's go look at verse 44. And in the days of
2: those kings, kings, not kingdoms now, kings under the kingdom of Rome.
0: That little phrase is an important one. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. So on one hand, what we have, That's even
2: bigger than the Roman Empire, in verse 44. The church. The universal kingdom
0: of of Christ. And that kingdom will not be left for another people, but it will crush and bring an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron and bronze and clay and the silver and the gold, that is the former elements that represent those empires, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So that the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. And then Nebuchadnezzar had a connection fit in verse 46 and with a face like this i don't blame him from falling on it you see that in verse 46 king nebuchadnezzar fell on his fell on his face and did homage to daniel and gave orders to present him an offering and fragrant incense well that's enough you know where that's now uh, you know where that's located it's great great reading uh so the beast that comes out, and we're going to have more, more information here coming along here because this chapter is a critical chapter in the rest of the book. The dragon is on the seashore. The beast coming up out of the sea for a particular mission with John standing by ringside. He comes up out of the sea. Now, what is the sea? Why would you find any bee, any beast, any animal of any kind coming out of the ocean? Well, let's look at Isaiah 57 and verse 20. Wish I had some of that. I wish I had that for you, so you could. <clears throat> you sure wasn't coming out of
2: the sea,
1: to bro, it evolved into
0: a new- It was a process of time.
2: Yeah. We call that evolution. Okay, let's let's look at these now.
0: Look at Isaiah fifty seven twenty. Let's see if we can get an idea what what
2: the sea represents. Have it? The wicked all right, the wicked are like what? The
0: tossing sea, fomenting not at ease it cannot for it cannot be quiet and its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God to the wicked. rolling and tossing. it's a lot like some of you folks do at night when you haven't done right. Yep. That's it. So coming up out of the sea and here you have it representing in in our
2: text people. Let's go to Revelation 17:15. Anybody uh? You want to read that? Said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits
0: are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues.
2: Any reason to question that? So here you have, he says to me. In Revelation, we're, we're going to be there. See,
0: chapter 13 is crucial for when we get into chapter 17. So the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are anything that your imagination can fit into. they That's where the harlot sits. They are peoples. So when we talk about sea, we're talking about what? Talking about the world, peoples that are in unrest. Uh, with, the wicked. with the wicked.
1: Coming out of an expanse, you know, I mean, that's always part of it, is the, you know, expanse of it. It's easy to, you know, to understand a great multitude or something of great size or even something of great size that's very, very fearsome coming out. You know, it's, but, and, and it's the imagery. The people. The people are what bring forth the government. They're the ones that push the government out there.
0: And that oh, makes it. perfect sense, the beast coming out of the sea. That's right. Yep. Who's standing by watching all of this? Well, of course, the dragon, but also John. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 2, or chapter 7 again. And I wanna, now I want to come back and, and look at another point of view of Daniel. Yeah, I was there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was there. I saw it firsthand. I was right there alongside of John. Yeah. He kept asking me questions. I just just couldn't cut it. Anyway, look at chapter 7 and verse 1. Now, we were in verse 7 and 8, but I really should have gone back a little further. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, now, who came first,
2: Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar? Belsh? Uh, no. Well, you were almost right. Well, I, did, I was reading the word first, and that got stuck in my
0: head. Okay, all right. Great,
1: great king
0: Nebuchadnezzar was
1: the one that actually welcomed Daniel into the fold there.
0: Yeah, for yeah. For a while. I mean, while. There, there was a... Okay, so in the first year of Belshazzar, so what has happened to Nebuchadnezzar? He bit the dust. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel, saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed, and then he wrote the dream down and related the following summary of it. Not every detail, just enough to refresh his mind. Daniel said, I was looking into my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great
2: sea, and four beasts. Now what does Daniel see now?
0: And the first one comes up from, in verse 3, from the sea, different from one another. They had a different view.
2: Here he sees four world empires coming up out of the sea. Greece, Rome. Now we, and that's right, and we go
0: to verse 17 now and we get the specific statement. These great beasts. Where they come from? From the sea. The sea represents what? The masses of people that are in that that are in um, um, motion, 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 and stirred up, and ill at rest.
2: Is speaking of the instability of the nation. So
0: in verse 17, these great beasts, which were four in number,
2: are four kings who will arise from the earth. So
0: he's added a dimension and adds in verse 18, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. And we read that just a few minutes ago later on. Now he says in verse 19, then I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast. Now this dude is really mean. Look at verse 19. I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others. And by the way, it's probably a good time for me to say this, that Tanya was here last week and she's listening tonight. Um, But you know, it didn't sink. You know, and she's no dummy. I, otherwise, I wouldn't have married her. Um, but she went home, and she listened to it again. And the second time, she got a whole different idea of what was going on. It took two times to do it. Okay? So that's not unusual. Um you see, the reason I have to be so careful and deal with so many details, you got to remember that I'm not going to live much longer, not going to be around much longer. I don't know what that means. But if I don't do it now, who's going to do it next? You know, we got to get it now. So uh, some of it requires some rehashing. Then, I, anyway, I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast. That's what we're talking about here, folks. In Revelation chapter 13, we are here exactly where Daniel was in his explanation of his vision. I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with his teeth of iron and his claws of bronze, and which devoured,
2: crushed, and crampled down the remainder with his feet. And when we see its description here
0: in verses 1 and 2 of Revelation 13, we're going to see that it represents what he's talking about here. And it's going to have horns and heads. and I mean, this is an awesome thing. But here we are being shown the four world empires as coming up out of the sea, the rise on earth, of human kingdoms, what was their source? The sea. And they now take their stand on earth, human kingdoms and the, and the sea together, their source, instable, on the land, representing the instability of the nations. And a beast is one the very word in the Hebrew means a brute beast. It means it has a ferocious nature.
2: Back in chapter 12 of
0: Revelation. If you got can you get back into Revelation real quick, chapter 12.
2: I think that I want to look at verse um verse so this is what this is what the dragon is up to
0: verse 2 yeah. uh, we need to go oh and see is that maybe that's not the one i wanted is that chapter 12 mm-hmm. um Okay, and, and we're going to come back there, so if we don't get it just just yet. yet. But in, anyway, what, what I was wanting to talk about is the ferocious looks of this thing. I guess it is verse 3. And um, this guy is ferocious. There's no doubt about it. And the people that come out of that and, and form that fourth beast
2: take on its character. So if you look in your notes, in chapter thirteen, verse
0: one, the origin of the beast is the sea. The de- the beast represents a kingdom, and then it has on this. Notice what it says: coming up out of the sea, having ten horns. Well, I guess that's what I wanted there, in chapter thirteen. Um, <clears throat> it had um, uh, ten. Was it ten horns? I can't see. I can't see that tonight. And uh, seven heads, <clears throat> and on his heads were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Okay, pretty much like it said in Daniel chapter eight, verses twelve through twenty-five. So the horns. Now, who are the horns? Just yeah. reading that in
1: Daniel, we went right by it, I, or I did. My, my, I was that in two, Daniel two.
0: I think it was in seven.
1: eight or, in se- or it's seven.
0: 20, isn't it? Oh, oh, there we go. There we go. Is that Daniel? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> everything's eight. blurred up there to yeah, me tonight. Seven, okay. And then, then, then you see, he says, "Now I'm going to give you the meaning of these ten horns that were on his head, and the other horn which came up." Now that's going to take some time. And we'll have to deal with that next week. But first of all, let's establish in our minds that we know what horns were. Horns represent rulers. So go to chapter 10, uh, seventeen of the book of Revelation, or you can look at this one first while wow, you're you've already slipped. You're so fast. You're just so fast. All right, look at chapter seventeen and verse ten. Seventeen ten. Chapter 17 and verse 10, because if we if we get specific definitions, yeah. we want to hold to them, yeah. you see. And then once we get that down, we won't have to keep going back to try to prove them. So look at verse 10, and they are, and the seven, oh, let's, we've got to go back. We need to go back one, one more verse. <clears throat> let's go to uh, nine. So here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are four donkeys. Everybody's got a different answer, but folks, it's it's black and white. Here is the mind that has wisdom. He's telling you the substance of wisdom that you can think about. The seven heads are seven mountains mountains on which the woman sits. Now you think about that, and, and the woman being the tribe of the tribe of Judah. The seven heads are seven mountains. And I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify that because there in by the time we get to chapter seventeen, and I, I don't want to let this go, there is a change in who defines the woman. And we're not there yet. So, who else, who might this woman be at this point that agrees with where we are? I I spoke too quickly with your answer there. Mary? No. Here, by the time we get to chapter 17, Lana says Rome. Rome. This is going to be the scarlet woman. See? So, here we have the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are. Seven mountains. So the seven heads are what? Seven mountains. mountains. So we know in one respect who the seven heads are. They are seven mountains. Now we'll we'll figure out what that means. And they are also something else. Seven Seven kings. So the seven heads are what?
1: Seven mountains and, that are also kings.
0: And and seven kings. Five has fallen, one is, and we'll we'll, we'll explain all that. <coughs> and the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain for a little while. Yeah,
1: he must be there for a long
0: time. He, oh, yeah, he's still there. <laughs> yeah, but he's pouting. He's tired of being there. So the horns... Um, the horns represent, they they symbolize strength.
2: Heads represents the chief part of anything. Isn't that true?
0: The heads represent the chief part of anything. Horns uh, represent, uh, they symbolize strength the ability of the heads to carry out their thinking. Let's read a verse just for kicks here. Our claim is gone, but I'm just getting wound up. Um, Let's go to Psalms um,
2: 75.10. And then I have one more one more point if you can bear with me and we'll close. Have we really been going that long? Seventy, I think it's seventy-five ten. Okay, it's not in the notes. Uh,
0: and all of the horns of the wicked he will cut off.
2: So he's saying that they're going to all lose their strength their their ability
0: able their their performance is going to end, but the horns of the righteous will be what will be lifted up Let's go to one more jeremiah forty forty eight and verse twenty five and then I want to re- redo that and then I want to just bring one more point um <clears throat> Jeremiah forty eight twenty five. Just to give here some background that when we talk about horns, Revelation isn't bringing anything new into the card game. That that,
1: the, that is really the truth, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's a summary. Yep. Oh,
0: well, nothing nothing new. new. The terms are used. All we got to do is have some familiarity with the Old Testament, and then we can. Oh, yeah, well, that's how that, that must be what that term means. So, the horn of Moab has been cut off and his arm broken. So what has happened to him? Powerless. He's like a drunk man. He's out there, he's like a guy that's wallowing
2: in his vomit. And he will become a laughingstock.
0: Now, that's taken out of, you know, a big context there. But, oh, inhabitants of Moab, be like a dove that nests beyond the mouth of the chasm. You know, poor, poor people. God is always telling you, you know, you folks, why, why, why? Why can't we just get it right? Well, why can't we think about God right? And so God is always yearning toward his people, as he does for the church today. So what we're suggesting here then, for your consideration, the beast originated where? From the sea. And the deep beast represents a kingdom or kingdoms, and this gave us their plural, horns, uh, rulers, or uh, you know, strength, power, of the head. The the ability to carry out the thoughts of what's going on in the head of the beast. And then he's going to have and and on his head were blasphemous names. I'm going to have to save that because the one point I wanted to get to was the characteristic of the beast character. Uh, the characteristics of his character. And in in chapter six,
2: <clears throat> yeah revelation um uh, thirteen six one thing that he did um, well you know what
0: that's gonna that's gonna be too much that's too much for tonight um What I want to show you, can you remember offhand the names of the characters that are represented by the beast that came out of the sea under Daniel, the names of the animals? I guess it was in chapter, I should have gone to Daniel chapter. The first one, the first one was a leopard, leopard. good, excellent, was the leopard and the next one was a bear. A bear. The feet of the bear, and the third one was the mouth of the lion. Remember that? So if you look at verse 2 of of, of Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. So this is the last thing I want to bring on on you tonight is now I want you to go back to chapter 7 of Daniel and this will be our last um, uh, rabbit trail in Daniel. And um, I want you to think real carefully now. The four four beasts in verse 3 So we're talking about a beast. And the first was like a what? And the second was like a what? A bear. And the third was like,
2: in verse 6, So what's the difference between what we're reading in Daniel
0: and what we're reading here is that when John is seeing this, he's looking back at them in history. And here, when we're looking at them in Revelation, we're looking at this beast having all of these heads and the, the accumulation of all the characteristics of the beasts that have gone before, but now he's looking at them in the present and forward. You see that? We'll review that. So all of this empire, this empire that comes out of the sea, possesses the attributes of the three former empires. And what that does is Daniel tells us what's coming. John tells us what has already come and what's left. Now, what does that do to the time frame? It really zeroes in on the Roman Empire, because when did Rome fall? Rome, Imperial Rome fell in 476, and um, uh, Rome as a republic was much later.
1: See, it 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 lasted for how how long before Christ had it been in power i I forget
2: it, yeah. it was
1: it yeah. only came about with augustus and Jesus was born under augustus oh, yep, yeah. all right, so it was in its infancy then just infant- oh yeah before see that it was a republic before that it was a kingship, but it yeah. had been around for a while, but yeah. yep. Imperial Rome
0: started with augustus mm-hmm. about. Like and before then, Jesus was born, right after Caesar. Yep. You got it. Oh wait, let's close tonight. Any, any uh, questions? Uh, we probably ought to wrap it up, and I'll try to smooth it out a bit. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the standard that we have before us. May we, may we always be willing to look at the standard and to make our decisions based upon that standard. And that is our appeal. That That's how we'll approach your word on every issue. And may we have the strength and the wisdom to do so. Thank you for this evening, for those who are here, for those who are listening. And it's been a wonderful night. In Jesus' name, amen.